from our table in New Orleans. Welcome to the Pass the Everything podcast. So usually right here at the beginning of the podcast is where we give a little bit of an intro describing exactly what it is that we do, but that's kind of hard to do because we left it vague and we left it vague on purpose because we are covering everything food related. So if it's food, it's going to come up in this podcast every week. I have the privilege of introducing the guy who started the past the everything Instagram that started this whole podcast thing. We'll call him PTE. And she is my co-host. If you have listened to radio in New Orleans, you might know her as Ashley O. We can drop the initial now since we're getting like casual, you know, we're yeah. just, Ashley's, we're just friends. Ashley's fine. I didn't know what, what I should do there, honestly. You yeah. know, making the transition <laughs> from radio into podcasting, I feel like I need to apologize right here at mm-hmm. the beginning of the first episode mm-hmm. because a lot of my friends were so excited. They thought it was going to be a murder or mystery podcast because that's what they're all apparently addicted to. Mm-hmm. Not going to be about that. Not going to be about that. If, if murdering food counts, then killing we could it. go hashtag killing it. Uh, also, I feel like I should apologize to you. So we're just doing a whole round of apologies here. Uh-huh. I should apologize to you because a part of me is very thankful that you left radio to start working on this podcast with me. And another part of me is like, you fucked up, Ron. Like, <laughs> like get out. It's not too late. This doing? is episode one. <laughs> we just started recording. You have time. Run for but the hills. Also, you know, like if people have been following you on Instagram at all, mm. they should know what to expect in a past the everything podcast. It's going to be food. Yeah, I agree. And then there's also going to be a good majority of the people that hopefully by circumstance come across the podcast and give us a listen. And, you know, they're like, let me, let me check these people out. And, you know, you're either going to love us or you're going to hate us. So it is what it is. So first things first, from week to week in these episodes, we're going to do some stuff where we take food that's in the news Pick our five favorite headlines mm-hmm. and talk about them here in Past the Everything. So yeah. number one, or like number five, if we're counting down. Yeah. Five, our, four, three, our, two, one. Yeah. Is that numbers, math? I don't sure, know. yeah. Our first headline of this week, I know I said it's not a mystery podcast, mm. but this one's a little mysterious. They're all kind of mysterious to me because you did a lot of due diligence and I was kind of like, hey, I trust you. So it's all a mystery. It's, it's fine. <laughs> this one is international food news mm-hmm. over in Poland. Apparently, all of these people in one town were freaking out calling the Animal Welfare Society because there was this like mystery animal up in a tree. And people were afraid to open their windows in case this thing might go into their house. And like two days passed, inspectors determined it was not a bird of prey. It was not an iguana. It was a freaking croissant in a tree. (sighs) I'm jealous of this problem. I, I would love to be in an environment where I was afraid of walking down the street, having a fucking croissant fall down into my waiting hands. I wouldn't even be thinking about it. I'd be so, so unbelievably happy. Um, what you're I, wishing I, for is apparently exactly how it started. Somebody was being kind to the birds who <laughs> live in the tree. They were throwing them a pastry to eat. You just want it to continue to fall down into your human hands. How generous is that person though to be... To be like, hey, um, I'm going to feed a bird an entire croissant. Like, I've never, I don't share a croissant. Like, my own grandmother could be asking to share a croissant with me. I don't want to get too morbid. It could it could be in some dire circumstances, and I would probably still deny her. Sorry, Grandma, you got to get your own croissant. I feel like you don't really share food at all, period. You're probably that person like Joey from Friends where it's like, this is my plate, that is your plate. Joey doesn't share food. 
And that's, that's exactly how I am. In fact, it's, it's, it's a top, it's a top three pet peeve. And by that, I mean, it's number one. I do not, I just don't, I can't, you know, what bothers me the most about sharing food is when a person is reaching over and they are, Hey, can I get a bite of this? And their fork is in the middle of your fucking plate already. Dude, oh, you're already, already there. They didn't ask for permission. You're already in the action of doing it. What, what do you mean? Can I do this? You're already doing it. You might as, two things. One, you might as well follow through on the action because you're already doing it. Right. And two, I'm never eating out with you ever again. So thank you for, you know, making that easy on me. No excuse for this. Zero. Get your own food. Speaking of excuses, headline number two, a new study by the University of Cambridge over in England found that there is no connection in our brains between having a lot of stress and losing your self-control when it comes to eating a whole bunch of junk food. So AKA, there's no mental brain powered excuse for you to eat all that junk food. If you're going through some stuff, this headline read to me, uh, a new study by the university of Cambridge in England reveals that people have no fucking self-control and you need to just get your shit together. If you listen, if, if it's at the end of the night and you want to bust out a king size Kit Kat, which may or may not be a story based off of a personal experience uh-huh. that I did very recently, right? then by all means do it. If you want to eat it before you go to bed, if you want to eat it while you're in bed, who gives a shit? I'm in the firm belief of like, if food makes you happy, then eat it. I feel like whoever these people are at Cambridge, they are taking away my justification for how much weight I gained that I was saying was stress weight for pandemic year. And they're saying like, nah, friend, you have no (laughs) excuse. The two things are not related. You just have, like you said, no self-control. You have zero excuse. This, um, help me out here. I'm spacing out. What was the movie of the kids in fat camp? The movie that no one talks about with Ben Stiller as the camp counselor. This is going to murder me. Are you comparing me to Uh, fat camp? No. And I knew, how about we just move on to the next no, 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 I knew that I knew I should have prefaced that. I apologize. Um, however, God. however, I will say yes, the weight I gained during pandemic year got me qualified for my vaccine at a certain point because they were letting people in Louisiana if they were considered quote overweight of a certain BMI. And like now I qualify thanks to the eating I did that uh, apparently the people at Cambridge say I had no excuse to be doing in the first place. So unintentionally, you were so unhealthy that you allowed yourself to be healthier down the road. Exactly. This is like some subconscious next level shit. Like you're doing like inception within yourself. Actually, no, this is more like tenant. I'm just dropping like a bunch of Chris Nolan references. So I apologize if I just lost about, you know, 90% of our listeners. However, this is like some stuff where like you're going in the future and you're working yourself backwards and like your past self meets your future self. And the next thing you know, you're COVID vaccinated. So you're, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you did a damn good job. Air five across the table. Air five. We're both completely <laughs> vaccinated. <laughs> yes, and, we are. And that brings us to my next headline because mm-hmm. now we got beers promoting getting vaccinated. Like Budweiser will send you a $5 virtual debit card to buy, I guess, beer or really anything. If you upload a selfie to a beer on bud.com with your COVID-19 vaccination sticker or a card showing that you're vaccinated. Uh, on the other hand, Miller Lite, they're not doing free stuff, but they did make a whole line of t-shirts that say almost Miller time and they're purposely missing a sleeve so you can wear it to get your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like instead of rolling up the sleeve. Yeah. And they come in right sleeve options and left sleeve options. So you can pick which one you want to get the shot in. That to me, okay. So for me, 
a lefty, this is huge because as a left-hander, we are discriminated against on the reg. Oh, I need some music for this. I'm like <laughs> sappy. Give me a sm- violin, give me the smallest violin. Music, yeah. So I can't even write in a normal fucking notebook without there's two things that are going to happen is my hand is going to rub alongside the edge against all those metal rings. And that's, that's not a good right. time. And then also what happens every single time is, and this is whether I'm using a notebook or a normal piece of paper, what's going to happen is my hand is going to rub across everything that I'm writing and smear everything. So the fact that Miller Lite recognizes this and gives us lefties out there the equal opportunity, they're non-discriminatory. It's like, hey, left-handed, right-handed, whatever arm you got your shot in, we're going to have a t-shirt for you. I'm a huge fan of that. I'm also just a huge fan of free shit. So if Budweiser is going to give away, uh, you know, $5 in virtual credit to buy a beer, does it specify a beer? I'm sure it has to be I'd a Budweiser. I'd have to look. Yeah. I mean, I did a little bit of research, but not all the way. When's the last I time love... you had a Bud Heavy? I mean, let's be honest. No, that's Ever? what I'm going to drink. If okay. I'm going to have a Bud product, it's going to be a Bud Heavy. I'm that girl at the bar drinking a Bud Heavy. And some guy's like, oh, you, you mean like a Bud Light? And I'm like. If you're drinking a Bud Heavy, you're the person at the bar like, who is hardcore. Like, I don't nice care. Nice to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I also like oh, that you made no. this whole story about like left-handed discrimination when really. Stand up. The point of the story that I didn't even get to introduce is that the proceeds of all these shirts, mm-hmm. left-handed or right-handed, mm-hmm. are going to the U.S. Bartenders Guild to really talk about how, you know, the service industry, the bar industry across the United States has taken a beating over this pandemic year. Yeah, and it's for a great cause. And you know what's also great? That's part of the U.S. Bartenders Guild, left-handed bartenders. I don't know how their stations are set up. They could have, you know, maybe those are like those little pour spouts. Maybe those are only good for right-handed bartenders. Maybe the Coke tab is on the right side, but for a left-hander, it's easy to be on the left side. And because of that, they're pouring drinks at a slower pace. And then as a result of that, they can pour less drinks per hour. They're getting less tips. Listen, it all comes back full circle. I'm just going to say like, it's for a good cause, but let's keep the lefties in mind here. Look, I like that this is a nationwide push (laughs) to do this. Here in our backyard in New Orleans, we have bars literally doing a shots for Mm -hmm. shots program. Like if you go to the bar at this time and you get your vaccine, your Mm -hmm. shot, you get free shots. Yeah. Is it shots or just like one shot? I think it's one. I think they're going with like the the J&J option. Like you go there, you get the Johnson and Johnson. Uh, You go inside and then you get the shot that coincides with that. So it's one for one deal. I am already vaccinated. I consider going there and doubling up just for the free shot. I will do that to save $6. I'm not, I'm not cheap. I don't think that's how the vaccine works. I don't think you can just keep doing it whenever you feel like it double as quickly co- as double possible. COVID. But Protection. I love, you know, leave it to New Orleans. We are going to be the one who makes it about liquor. Yeah. And, and you know what? I'm starting to see that around the country as well. And I think we're just leading the way. When I see a shot for a shot, the campaign is so genius. And then I start to see it around the country and other places are doing it as well. There's a reason why New Orleans right now is leading. I'm pretty sure they're leading the United States. We got to fact check that. Do we have yeah, somebody who can be tricky to give science Someone, facts here. Uh, we are not even food experts. I regret all of this science experts. I'm so, you know, what? I'm going to stick to my guns. If someone wants to call me out, they can, they can shoot us a message or whatever We're leading the, fuck. the way in something. <laughs> I like that. You didn't even finish the sentence. New Orleans is leading the way in dot, dot, dot. We're leading the way here. in uh 24 hour bars are about to be open back up. I don't know, but, but, sure. but in all seriousness though, our 
you know, COVID rates have been on the decline. We're doing such a good job here. And the shots for shots campaign, as much as it's fun to joke about is something that's really, really cool. And they had local celebrities come out. I remember I saw a picture of Manny Fresh was there, Mm -hmm. which just made me regret even more not going to the event. Would I have gone a second shot? Obviously no. However, I would have gone to the bar had a good time, hung out safely, worn a mask, all that shit. So while we're talking about pandemic, I have another headline and I'm wondering if this is going to be an extra difficult challenge considering that COVID affects people's taste, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sour Patch Kids has just announced (laughs) they're releasing their first ever mystery flavor. The packs are hitting stores now and you could win $50,000 in a contest hosted by the company if you can guess the flavor correctly. I think at least personally, this sounds impossible. Do they even have different flavors to begin with? Like it sounds impossible because it is impossible. Is each flavor, I mean, is each color in a pack a different flavor today? Like if I go buy some at the store, is there a difference between like red and yellow? Tell me that. To me, no. Okay, I'm a, okay. They so they are sour. Yes, this one is this, sour, yes. and that one but is sour. But here's the thing. So I'm a chocolate person. So you know, team chocolate over here. But I'm not going to discriminate against the the sour candies. The issue that I have with Sour Patch Kids is that I've never enjoyed it because I, I don't handle it well. So when I have a Sour Patch Kid, the flavor to me is sour. My tongue is so fucking raw that it's not enjoyable. I don't understand. I'm surprised. I didn't even know they had flavors prior to this. So now they're like, oh, if you can guess this flavor, the flavor is sour and it hurts. Now, is the flavor hurts? Okay, but the ones that come in a different package, those I believe are a different flavor, but it's probably just because of suggestive marketing or branding or packaging or whatever. The label tells me that it's supposed to be different. I was going to say this all just sounds like a giant marketing ploy. So, you know, $50,000 sure sounds like a lot of money, but at the end of the day, it's all sour and it fucking hurts and I won't be participating in this. So I worry worry that people are going to slide into the past the everything (laughs) DMs and be like, you guys are idiots. They are definitely different flavors. And now I'm questioning your credibility to have a podcast about food. We will give them two flavors like like we had discussed earlier, sour and watermelon. And sour. the water <laughs> It's it, I don't know. I, again, I, I just I'm I'm so bad with the sour shit. And a part of me wants to enjoy it because uh, there's like a really small percentage when I'm actually having a sour patch kid where I'm like, "Oh, maybe I will like this." I can't I can't do it. I've tried. Give me a Reese's peanut butter cup, a Kit Kat, a Butterfinger. I will name every goddamn chocolate candy bar out there. I'll even go fucking three musketeers on you. I don't give a shit. Just not a Sour Patch kid. I'm going to have to yank on the leash real fast because what if Sour Patch wanted to endorse this podcast? Like what? I mean, get pay (laughs) us to endorse them. You know what I mean? What if they wanted to sponsor this podcast? You would take it. I would I'd be all over it. There I would, would be I would money. Love, you I would, would be love like, Sour yes, Patch Kids. I love Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> you know what's you know what I love? Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> I love the way my tongue feels. I love that 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 sounded weird. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go back to the headlines. Here is one last headline. A flavor that I don't know that either of us could get behind, even if paid. There is this recipe that's going viral on Food Network's website. It is a salad that uses popcorn and mayo. And yeah, like there's some veggies in there too, but it's like really testing the definition of the word salad. Uh, It's a Food Network host. Like she should have some credibility. Her name is Malia and she says that her crunchy snap pea popcorn salad is a riff on an iconic Midwestern dish. So Midwestern, so quirky, so delicious. 
the overwhelming internet response here is no. As soon as I read this, the first thing I hated that I hated was the word quirky. It's so quirky. So you list that it's a riff on an iconic Midwestern dish, but you don't name the dish. Listen, I'm not from the Midwest, but who the fuck in the Midwest is putting mayo with snap peas and mixing it up in a bowl of popcorn? You know what I don't want when I reach inside a bowl of popcorn to feel like someone just jizzed in my fucking Squishy. hand? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I like how... Um, you described it very colorfully, but like I even went and watched her make this and it says to serve quickly. And I think for the reasoning that you gave, otherwise it just gets, I know this is a word that people hate. You're gonna, um, don't say moist. Uh, yeah, it's you're going to, you're going to, you're going to moist me. Take popcorn, which is delicious and wonderful and now make it moist and throw some veggies in and call it a salad. Listen, there's some things that you can add on to popcorn to actually make it really good. You can, you can do a little bit of Tabasco and mix it all up. And now you got a little bit of a kick to it. You can even melt some chocolate with the popcorn and the butter. And now you have right. chocolatey, buttery popcorn. Here for it. Thinking about that got me a little excited just now. Here for it. But my my thing is, I don't understand veggies and, and crunchy snap peas. Like, snap peas aren't bad by themselves. I'm not even a mayo hater. In fact, I defend mayo all the time. People want to talk shit on mayo. Guess what? I'm making a turkey sandwich. You know what I'm putting on that piece of bread? The first fucking thing I'm putting on there is some mayo. I want a good base coat of mayo. They can't see it. I'm making it a makes, face. It makes the sound. You're making a face. I don't like my sandwich that squishy. I don't need it to be wet. I, here's a pro tip. I don't tip. need it to be moist. Toast the bread. Okay. You got to toast the bread. It's all about toasting the bread. And Open I, to consideration. But I have a real okay. question on this. Do you think that Molly, who literally works for Food Network, mm-hmm genuinely stands behind this recipe or is it something to make Food Network go viral online? I'm sorry, Molly. I don't obviously know you from anything, but (laughs) no, she did this because she knew it was going to get some attention. This is like the equivalent of clickbait. I can't, I can't get behind it. The overwhelming internet response has been a no, and that's for a reason. But you know what? Food Network doesn't give a shit, and Molly doesn't give a shit because she posted this recipe because she wanted to get some traction for it. Ding, she ding, got ding, the ding, traction. Ding. She got the traffic. I think it's the same concept as when some of these like food official accounts on social media like hire this intern that has this like edgy hot take and wants to respond to things as that food. What this reminds me of is and a big reason why I wanted to start passing everything to begin with because I remember going on Instagram and seeing all these quote-unquote foodie posts which I hate the term foodie but let's just use that for the sake of this conversation I remember seeing people post standing next to a pizza that's 10 times bigger than their face and the captain's like oh I'm such a foodie check out this massive pizza blah 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 but it's you don't actually enjoy the food and maybe, and maybe in real life you are a foodie. Like, let me let me give you the benefit of the doubt. But you're just posting something because it's crazy and because it's attention grabbing. Sure. That fucking pisses me off. Like, that's why I wanted to start the past the everything Instagram, which has now turned to the podcast because you see this stuff and it's so ridiculous. I mean, again, I don't care. All <laughs> Coming I'm, in aggressive I'm, I'm, on I'm, the first I'm getting, episode. I'm getting upset, and the reason why I'm getting upset is because I just think it's so ridiculous. Because I don't believe in any way, and maybe I'm wrong. And if I am, then I will fully admit to it. But I don't believe there's any way in hell that she posts this recipe and is like, "This is really good. I actually enjoy eating this." If you enjoy eating this that much, Molly, why don't you post a fucking YouTube video hashtag Food Network, and I want to see you eat a giant bowl of mayo popcorn with snap peas, and then I'll believe you. And you can't fake it. <laughs> 
I feel like now I have to go look on the internet and see if there already is a video. And you like know what this. there probably is? I'm going to eat crow, and this will be yeah. the only episode we ever do. <laughs> first episode, last episode. Yeah. First, going out on popcorn first mayo and last. salad. I'm going to have hate mail and death <laughs> threats, and and I'll deserve it. So it is what it is. But I just I just don't buy it. I really don't. But you know what? If it gets the Food Network attention, then it is what it is. Maybe you accomplished your goal. I think a lot of the foodie space is kind of bullshit, anyways. So. Whatever. Before I get you too upset, uh, I'm, I'm going to happily announce to you that those have been this week's five food headlines. Yes, we did it. We made it out and <laughs> nobody scratched any eyes out. I'm looking at you across the table. I know. I, I, I started. Claws were coming out. <sighs> I feel like I need like one of those blood pressure machines from when I was a kid and I would like go to Walgreens. I would stick my arm in the thing and then I would just press I the button. I used to love those. I, I was in a Walgreens the other day in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. It's a long story. Um, well, it's not, but I don't want to bore you. (laughs) And, uh, the listeners are here. So I had a stomach bug. So I spent the entire day in Hattiesburg driving around trying to find different places to take a shit in because I was, my stomach was hurting so bad. The answer is four. I found four different Walgreens slash CVSs. Walgreenses? Um, Walgreenses. It's like, uh, yeah, that's the plural. I feel like now we need to pause the podcast to issue a formal apology. (laughs) Formal apology to the people of Addisburg because <sighs> past the everything poop has been sprinkled along uh, all the Walgreenses and CVSs of your city. I, I am a courtesy flusher, so I will I will state that out on the podcast for everybody to hear. I don't even know where I was going with this, honestly. I, I, I mean, got so caught up in my Hattiesburg story, which isn't even that good we of a story. We were talking about blood pressure things. Yeah. Do they even have those now? I after? did try to, that was my where I was going. I did try to find them and I walked by the pharmacy. I kind of did the slow walk where I was pretending like, oh, nasal spray. Mm-hmm. I could use mm-hmm. that. My allergies are bad. Mm-hmm. And I looked around. You're just looking for the cuff. I looked for the cuff and I couldn't find it anywhere. Was that a COVID casualty? I think that was just in me being old casualty. <laughs> no, 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 no. The COVID, like the cuffs being a COVID casualty. They don't want all these like shared, you know, germs inside the, how yeah. long have we not had the blood pressure machines? It's probably in? been over a decade okay. and I just paid attention to it because I was trying to, you know, drop a deuce inside a Walgreens in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They, I love yeah. how you were trying to throw people off. Like, don't worry, <laughs> I'm not here to drop the kids off at the pool. I am just here to check my blood pressure yeah. in this random. I'm Walgreens. definitely not here for the blood pressure machine. Also, where's your bathroom? Just out of curiosity. Don't need, don't need to really use it, but yes. And to your point about, um, being a COVID casualty, I don't think that they're going to allow people to just shove their arms in a device right. without any washing or any sanitary. Right. Yeah. We have strayed very far now away from food. We have talked about shit as much as we've, no, not as much, we, but a good bit, more than I expected to in the yeah. first episode of the podcast. This is a podcast about pooping. Um, to, <laughs> to, bring it, to bring it back. Um, Poop the everything. <laughs> yes, yes, let's bring it back in. <laughs> talk about literally anything else. We have a lot more food-related stuff to talk about on the podcast. God, I would hope so. Top Chef. Okay. We're talking about it. I've, I've been missing out. I really want you to watch this with me, and we haven't. Okay, and okay. How many episodes in are we? There are three episodes in. First of all, I'm mad that they didn't wait for us to start mm-hmm. this podcast so we could do weekly recaps and be like caught up with them exactly. Loud and clear. Uh, copy 104. Uh, so I have <laughs> <Damn> radio. <laughs> <laughs> Did I hear a niner in there? Uh, I reached out. I reached out to the producer of uh, producers. Wait, of, you know the people at Top Chef? I Googled them. Oh, okay. uh, I reached out to them and I expressed my discomfort with them starting the show without the podcast. 
I have not received a response. Okay. All right. uh, pitch, me on on. Where, pitch me on where we are. Catch me up. I'm fine if you give me spoilers. You know what? There will be spoilers, but we're three episodes in. So I'm spoiling it for you. I'm spoiling it for everybody that's exactly. listening to the podcast. So, okay, here we go. There's 15 total chefs in this entire thing. They're, okay. they're working out of Portland. Shit's going down. The difference in this season, there are no sous chefs. So all of the chefs in the show are executive chefs. So there's a lot of drama because there's a lot of personalities clashing and okay. all that. I'm the king or queen of the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the previews are super intense. There's a lot of crying, which I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. Lots of drama. I didn't know you were a reality person, like when you watch TV. <sighs> I'm really not. But when it comes to food Just like drama. food reality yeah, drama. When it comes sure. to food reality drama, I'm all for it. So they Like have, intense music and like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and in the entire time they're talking, there's like, dun, 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 dun. I just did the soundtrack to speed. So there's like these main challenges that are in the show. There's like these quick fire team challenges. And then whatever mm-hmm. team wins yeah. those challenges, they get immunity to be sure. like not eliminated later on. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the main challenge later on. And then every episode they eliminate one of the chefs. So think about like, the bachelor but with food like they like oh sorry why are you having to relate it to me this way like you assume that i am part of bachelor nation i just feel like everyone's part of bachelor nation i'm part of you're right it's fine (laughs) (laughs) stop it fucking do it all right so that's not what we're recapping that's not what what we're recapping i will let me say this really quick so they did like a quick chef intro in the very beginning and my personal favorite is chef sarah she's also based in an organ She's okay. just awesome. So she did the whole thing where she's like, yeah, I don't really see myself running in the, uh, this is a horrible impersonation. Uh, Chef Sarah, if you ever listen, I apologize. Probably won't. Uh, so she's like, yeah, you know, I don't really run in the chef circles, but, uh, you know, I kind of just like to chill and just like, you know, make good food. Oh, and on a side note, I'm a James Beard, um, like a war nominee. So she's, okay. yeah, so she's, incre- yeah, yeah, I just like to chill. And yeah. also I'm fucking awesome. Yeah. Meanwhile, all the other chefs are like, this is my life. And queen of the undersell. Yeah, right like exactly oh and and so in episode one guess who wins the uh the quick fire challenge i'm gonna guess sarah yeah chef sarah's yeah. team so they crush it uh, they make a fantastic dish oh and then later on in the elimination challenge chef sarah wins the entire thing too so by mm. the yeah, exactly so she goes from being like the oh i don't know i just kind of like to hang out to all of a sudden by the end of episode Bam. one she's won both challenges so now she's completely crushing it question for you yes is Sarah like an imposter syndrome person or is she like super scheming and tricking everybody and that she's like this unassuming person that's actually there to kick ass? I thought about this a lot. I actually had to pause the show because it was fucking with my head so much. I was like, is she pulling a trick on everybody to where like she's really the best one? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I just like to hang out and make really good food. I honestly think that her imposter syndrome is so high that she that she honestly doesn't have the same confidence that all the other chefs do because a couple of the other chefs are very headstrong. Like there's a chef Maria based out of Tucson and she fucking lays down the law. I'm a huge fan of her as well, but she's like, Oh, we're doing shit this way. And, mm-hmm. she, and, and chef Sarah is the complete opposite of that. I don't know that that's just kind of how I feel about it. I could be being tricked the entire time. So episode one ends, right? So chef Sarah is now, uh, she's now on everyone's radar open episode two Everyone has their eyes on her now. The episode is like called Trouble Brewing, which I think is super clever. Whoa. Yeah, it, the, the title, right? It's really good. So what they do is- <laughs> It's really good. It's, it's a really good title. No, no, no. Good job, Top yeah. Chef. Nailing it. You guys have a great title. We're impressed. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it opens up and they do like a Top Chef diner. So they're like quick fire drill as they're going to honor short order cooks and they're going to make breakfast rapid fire. Like eight perfect breakfast plates 
in 30 minutes. And so like the, one of the, you know, celebrity judges will throw out like, oh, I want steak and eggs. And then like, you have to ring a bell. And if you're one of the first ones to ring, it's like, oh, I got to run off and make steak and eggs. I only have like five fucking minutes or whatever the time is. So oh, it's really, no, really. I want steak and eggs. I know. I know. And, and they did a lot of shit. Like they did like steak and eggs and dim sum and shrimp and grits and oh spam and kimchi and fried rice. Yeah, the whole thing was delicious. Uh, there was a chef, Jamie, who's like super goofy, and she ended up winning. She did shrimp and grits. She's from Las Vegas. and But she, like speaking to our NOLA hearts. So yes, but sure. speak, speaking to our NOLA hearts. So I was a huge fan of her winning. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah. She nailed it with the shrimp and grits. She's really interesting because she does this thing when she cooks and even when she talks where she just makes noises. So no, same. No one knows. No one knows how to connect with her. Like literally no one knows how to connect with her. She's Jamie, like, I feel you. I connect yeah. with you. They're like, <laughs> how was it cooking? And she was like, I don't know. Like everyone's like, whoa, what was that? Like what? I just, just do a bunch of noises. And she was like, oh, this is how I kind of communicate. So anyways, she wins and she like kind of proves herself. So now she doesn't have to worry about being eliminated, blah, blah, blah. They go to the elimination challenge, going back to me being like, oh, I love the title called Trouble Brewing. Their whole thing now is they have to cook and they have to cook with coffee and with beer. Oh, I see it. Brews. So yeah, they, I got it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they pull mm-hmm. a trickaroo. So what they do on the a whole. Trickaroo? Oh, sir. So, no. So what they do is they're like, everyone pull a knife. So their whole thing is like you pull a knife and a knife mm-hmm. has a number yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Depending on the number. You, I've seen the show, just not oh, this well, season so okay, far. Well, okay. Well, okay. Sorry. We're All learning right. things about each yes. other. Okay. So, <laughs> so what happens is like they pull a knife and then every chef is like, oh, you're the number three. You're a beer person. And the other person's a coffee person, whatever. So. Everyone pulls a knife and then the very next day, so they pick all these ingredients and like, oh, I'm going to cook this because I picked the beer. And then the head chef comes out of nowhere. He's like, oh, that's cute. Um, You thought you were a beer person. Actually, you're a beer and you're a coffee person and I'm going to team you up with such and such. And you have to make it. And you have to make a combined plate with beer and with coffee. And then, but on top of that, your signature touch has to be on the dish because even though it's a partner thing, you're only going to, or at the end, we're only going to eliminate one person. So oh, no. there's a lot of drama. Capital D, Rama. <laughs> a lot of drama. I also skipped over uh, that by the end of episode two, Chef, Shasa, Chef Sasha was eliminated. Um, That's a tongue twister. That's not even fair. It is a tongue twister. But also their eliminations are kind of bullshit because they have this thing called Last Chance Kitchen. So they literally created a show off of the top chefs being eliminated where the chefs that are eliminated then go to face each other to then be like the winners of the losers. I don't know. Is that a title you want? No. I mean, it's called Last Chance Kitchen. It's not called You're the Winner of the Losers. (laughs) But I kind of- If we're being honest, though. I kind of want it to be that title. In fact- (laughs) Should Next I week on the winner of the losers. And now I'm thinking Look, you're I'm, welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I kind of want to send another email, like follow up to the first email I sent you. Still haven't received a response. Also, um, in regards to you're your- You're about to get blocked yeah. by the people at Top Chef. I didn't think it'd be possible to be completely blocked from the Bravo TV network. It's going to happen. Uh, all right, here we go. Episode three is the most recent episode. Uh, it's Pan-African in Portland. Uh, Chef Brittany, who was- partnered with Chef Shasha. Chef, wow, I can't say that. Chef Sasha for episode two. She has survivor's remorse. So now, because, you know, they only had to eliminate one person and they were both on the same team. So the episode starts and Brittany's just crying. And we like Brittany. The first the first quick fire challenge is a dessert challenge and they do it with like Talenti gelato where they have to make like a three-layer dessert. So uh, Chef Jamie is still crushing it. She's like, I don't even like making desserts because it takes time. You have to like measure things. And I like to go, wow, my, ah, 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 ah. Your and that's impressions a, are phenomenal. Did you? No, I actually wrote that down as a <laughs> 
quote from Chef Jamie. I had to pause it and I and I had to write out what with like hyphens in between it because I was like, I don't understand what she's saying, but I really, really like it. Also, I want to shout out Chef Byron. He came up with a goat cheese ice cream Ooh, that somehow did not win that competition. And I'm lactose intolerant and I would have had my stomach destroyed and still would have Worth given it. him still would have given him first place. Goat cheese ice cream. Like who doesn't love goat cheese? Chef Avishar, he's from Ohio. He won. He had like this Buckeye traditional dish. Enter Chef Kawame and he's incredible. He's Jamaican, Nigerian, Trinidadian, and Creole. And guess what? He's from Louisiana. Hey. Hey. His mom is in Baton Rouge and he was actually hired as a cook um, on a boat serving crews, cleaning up the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. So he, oh, damn. in the episode, yeah, it's actually really fucking cool. So I, I ended up pausing the show and just researching him because he shouted out Louisiana in the show. Come to If find- anybody missed it, we are in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're, look, we're down Orleans. the street. If you ever want to come on the podcast, like we'd be happy to yes, have you. please, Chef Kwame, if you want to come back. Well, he's in DC now. So I did. Well, I mean, he got family here, right? So like he does he, have family here. he probably come back I don't know. in a if future we're, episode. We're mm-hmm. Assuming his mom's still in Baton Rouge. I don't know. So uh, he actually won the James Beard Award for Rising Star Chef of the Year. This is 2019. So he's kind of a big deal. Right. Now I'm I'm paraphrasing here, um, you know, but he says that you cannot talk about American food without talking about West African food. And specifically what he's referencing is the slave trade with Africans and in particular West Africans that displaced millions of people around the world. And how like brought in all these food flavors and and how that had an impact on food culture around the world. I mean, you legitimately cannot talk about American food culture or food culture really anywhere in the world without having this conversation. And what's really cool is that the show recognized that in past seasons, they really only focused on a couple of different regions or or popular food cuisines. So like French and Italian were big Mm -hmm. themes and, you know, even American food, but with, with this season, I think they're doing a really good job of focusing on on different cultures and things that have a really big influence. So the whole Pan-African cuisine is the title of this episode, but it's what the chefs for the, the main elimination challenge were challenged to do. So mm-hmm. what happens is Chef Brittany, um, again, spoiler alert here, she eventually gets eliminated. And we liked her. We, re- we really did. But Aw, bye, Brittany. Bye, Brittany. Uh, <laughs> you know, but... You know, to her credit, she full on admitted that she was kind of cooking in her head and not from her heart. And they kind of called her out like, you know, who are you as a chef? And she was like, I, I honestly have no idea. I'm still trying to figure this out. And she makes kind of an odd comment where she's like, you know, I was trying to cook with all these different flavors and different spices, and I'm just not really good with spicy food. And the the response, the rebuttal to her is, well, it's not really about spice. It's about flavor. So clearly she just wasn't understanding the assignment, hence why she gets eliminated. Meanwhile, Chef Dawn ends up winning the challenge. Um, she actually had a really, really great curry goat dish. Yum. Um, and that was the end of episode three. Okay, so in that quick recap, yeah. I am ready now to start watching next week. It will probably be better if we're watching it at the same time so we can talk it's about it. It's going to be time. a million times better, I promise. Sweet. Uh, so we'll bring that back next week. Yes. Something we will also continue to bring back is... A, a highlight and a low light reel from each of us of mm-hmm. our particular personal food experiences. Mm-hmm. So since we don't have a previous episode to talk about, let's just go with like in the past week in your life, highlight moment food wise. I actually want you to go first on this. 
Okay. So this past weekend, I didn't eat a single meal at home because my mom and I had like a New Orleans staycation. Mm -hmm. We did like a hotel room pretending we weren't from here. And while we didn't do any of the like stereotypical, I'm in New Orleans from out of town kind of places. Okay. All the food we had was amazing. In fact, like the whole weekend was based around where we were going to eat and like how we could waste time in between the meals. That sounds like the best weekend of all time. So what's crazy is like my highlight and my low light happened at the same place. <laughs> I feel like this might never happen again. So now I'm really curious and I'm really glad that you went first because I really, I think you're going to set the bar actually so high that there's no way I'm going to be able to follow this, but please continue. Food win and food fail uh-huh. both happened at the same brunch. Yep. It was a group of girlfriends. It was a Sunday brunch. Food was amazing. Shout out to Lola's on Esplanade. The drinks mm. were awesome. Mm-hmm. They were creative. They were delicious. They were very Instagram worthy, like a Spanish influence brunch. Mm-hmm. That was my win. Amazing. I haven't been there before. It's except, a great location. Except for the fail point. Because it's Sunday. You're at brunch, right? Mm-hmm. Why am I listening to music that should be like in the club? Oh, no. Well, d- define in the club. Let me, let me hear what was going on. I'm not on. doing impressions. But like, <laughs> we were listening to techno at brunch. And oh, like, no. look, you don't need to give me that kind of musical hint to like turn up at brunch. We're mm-hmm. going to drink booze. Like, we yes. Ubered there. Like, we didn't drive. But the club music was like super throwing me off at this like awesome outdoor brunch vibe. Just trying to get through my omelet and my delicious like yeah. Bloody Mary. And yeah. we, I think we tried like one of each of their cocktails and it wasn't because of the music. I was just about to ask you that. Are you sure not, it's not a psychological it was not thing? not a psychological okay. subliminal thing. Thank God I wasn't already hungover going into brunch. Yeah, that would have been my nightmare because I just would have felt so rushed because of the music. Like what? I, I don't know. It just sets the tone. It's it's too fast paced for me. All right, um, your turn. High and low. I'll start off high. My low point's pretty low. High point. I went to uh, La Yuzas. I'm a big fan of their chalices. Like they have the frosted chalices mm-hmm. of beer. I just feel, it feels so great holding this massive glass and your beer is so fucking cold and it's just extra delicious. I almost think every bar and restaurant should have that, but then I guess I want to be a special thing. My high point is because I had the New Orleans own French fried potato po' boy with brown gravy. They also offer it with red gravy. I went with the brown. It was so good. I haven't been to La Usa's in years. In fact, when I first moved to New Orleans, I used to live in the area. It's one of the first places that I ate, but I had no point of reference into what La Usa's was or the kind of institution it was or anything like that. So being able to go back and revisit that was was definitely a high point, the low point. All right. Oh, no. So I'm working on the podcast. This is a couple of days ago. Busy and I don't want to make a lunch and I live now pretty close to a Popeye's location. I don't see how this could go wrong, but all right. You would think. I'm, I'm um, here. I'm holding on. Usually I get a chicken sandwich. I get the spicy chicken sandwich meal. For some reason I didn't want the sandwich, so I opted to get uh, like a six piece chicken tender. Biscuit, red beans and rice, whatever. I leave and I come back and I'm working and I'm sitting at the desk and I have the computer up. So I have the Popeye's box next to me sitting on the desk and it's propped open And uh, I'm working away. And at one point I look over and my cat, Theo, uh, is head in, in the box. And he's, he's not even eating the food. He's just licking the biscuit. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. So if, um, you've obviously had the Popeye's biscuit, it's delicious. So my guess is that he's he's licking licking the butter. Oh my God. And it's, it really is the best part. And 
So did you cut it off and give it to him? Oh, no, 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 no. It gets worse. So I see him and I pick him up. I'm like, no, no, no. You know, that's not, you know, it's not cat food. You're not people, whatever, whatever. And I, I, I put him on the ground and I haven't eaten yet. I've been sitting there for like 30 minutes. I'm so hungry and it's late. And I look at him and I look around. I'm the only one there. And instead of walking to the kitchen and throwing it away or wiping it off with a paper towel, I ate the biscuit. Yeah. Oh my God. I ate, I, I ate the whole thing. So there's my little moment. There you go. I ate a cat licked biscuit from Popeye's. Are you proud of yourself that that's how we're ending the podcast? That's how we're going. No, out. I'm not proud of myself at all. That is that. how we're going out. <laughs> Episode one of the past, the everything. It's podcast. over. It's done. It's out. It's out. It's going out to the world. There you go. So I hope on that. That will entice people to come back and hang out with us again next week for episode two. Come back and judge us again or judge me again. But we hope you do. We hope you spread the word about what you heard today on Pass the Everything. We hope you like and rate and subscribe and do all those great things for our podcast. And also go on Instagram and find us at PTE Pod. Tag a friend, do all the social media things and come back next week for segments. 